Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ray Kub and Marcus Goldman here on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Marcus, it's been so long since I've left the house, I feel like I need to take a trip, a journey. You got your bags packed? This sounds like a journey that you need your bags packed for. It would be, except for I'm not flying anywhere until I get vaccinated. <laughs> and and our guest this week on the podcast is going to take us on a virtual journey to a place I've always wanted to visit, uh, Northern Africa and the Mediterranean. We've been to parts of the Mediterranean before, but to see them from all of the different countries' viewpoints would be pretty incredible. Well, I'd love to go back to Greece, and I'd love to visit the rest of the Mediterranean, but for now, I think we're going to have to suffice with this virtual journey provided by one Steve Hackett, one of the great progressive rock guitar players of all time. I'll tell you what, you listen to his new album, Under a Mediterranean Sky with a Pair of Headphones, you're going to feel like you're lost somewhere in the Mediterranean Sea. And joining us here on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, one of the true pioneers of progressive rock guitar, a legend, Steve Hackett. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we're speaking. Nice to talk, guys. And it's the occasion of the release of your latest album, Under a Mediterranean Sky, that gives us the opportunity. And you can find it in all the, the normal and abnormal places, right? Where people can find music of, a, of an independent nature. And your music, too. A lot of your music is out there digitally now, i found. Yeah, a lot of it's out there digitally. You can also get, you know, CDs and, and vinyl and colored vinyl and all sorts of stuff from... Uh, from my website, if you dial up um, hackitsongs.com, it points you to the web store and where to buy things and loads of stuff on the website. The entire history, my whole life <laughs> on, on a website. Well, while Marcus and I've been talking a lot about the pandemic, and during the pandemic, these kind of direct commerce setups are important to the artist. In the case of someone like yourself who tours a lot and records regularly, it's the main source of whatever income there is right now, right? Uh, well, yeah, you know, there's there's that, and there's the book. We had our book out, and we had a live album out, and um, mm -hmm. I 
continue to work on rock stuff as well as the acoustic orchestral stuff. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, England doesn't really have record stores anymore. You know, you, you just cannot find them. So many things are considered to be luxury items. So you've got to get stuff online in some in some form or another, whether you're ordering it off of um, Amazon or, or you're getting it direct from the website. Right, because you take out the middleman and you guys uh, are set up to do a lot of that stuff yourselves. Sure. And I'm glad to see it. So, folks, go to Steve's website, hackitsongs.com, and get Under a Mediterranean Sky because it's just beautiful music, oh, yeah. man. I've been a fan of yours forever. Marcus and I have been listening to it a lot in the last week or two. It's just beautiful songscapes, and you and you do such fine things in there. Uh, yeah, well, uh, we were halfway through an American tour, and uh, everywhere closed down around us. My wife, Joe, and I, we, we got the last flight back from Philadelphia. When we got back, we had some downtime. We had extra time to work on, got a surround sound mix from Stephen Wilson on the live album. Mm. Uh, finished off the book, got to do a little more on that. Um, and then the idea of working on Under a Mediterranean Sky came in. It was largely suggested by my wife. She knew that I wanted to do an acoustic album. We had an orchestra lined up and everything, but we just couldn't work face to face with people. So we had to do a lot of remote stuff. Uh, but it's come out really, really well. It's sort of, landscape dis descriptions of various places around the Mediterranean. So it's a kind of virtual journey for all of us. You can't even go outside your front door at the moment without danger of, of um, killing yourself or someone else. Right. And, um, I, I'm personally going to get my vaccine tomorrow. Yes. Good. That's me. I, I get that. So I'm. A, it's my age bracket that gets, hmm. gets uh, vaccinated uh, tomorrow. I'll let you know how it goes, guys. You know, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. Gradually, this thing is getting rolled out. Gradually, we will get back to work. So it still feels gradual there, the way yeah. it feels uh, slowed here. Yes. So it's not just here where where it's not rolling out the way we all want it to. I think it's going even slower in Europe. It seems to be uh -huh. going quite quite well in Britain because of the development of the AstraZeneca. Mm -hmm. one right. but then you know there's a whole bunch of others that have, have come up that are waiting to get um i gather you guys in the states have come up with something which uh, is supposed to be johnson and johnson i believe is supposed to have 100 percent uh let's hope that works for you guys and um and the rest of us i mean i'll, I'll basically take anything yeah at, at this point no it's like the 70s all over again Oh, yes, yes, give me a pill, that's right. Where did that go? <laughs> but no, Rain I was... Riding in the eyeball, you know. Yeah. I was actually reading about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine today, and they said the first dose is pulling about 62% efficacy, and they're saying, though, that it's doing well against with the uh, British strain, the South African strain, and yeah. they're hoping yeah. that oh, it shows God. positive results with the uh, Brazilian strain as well. So who knows, yeah. but they've shown good success with one dose. Yeah, yeah well, you know, then we can get back to normal living, mm -hmm. of course, which is uh, a yeah. effect, and we can start traveling, and um, uh, the airline industry taking such a oh, hit, of course, you know, hit. all of that. It's... Uh, what it, what industry isn't at this point in time? Okay. Music goes on, the songs go on, playing goes on. I I, I play a lot every day, both mm -hmm. acoustic and electric. It's it's great to be doing that. So it's been a very productive time for some of us over here. Uh, those who are, are able to, it's been interesting. It, it it hasn't been boring. This this lockdown for us has just been uh, there's been a lot more music, kind of. Uh, a bit of a, of a research facility 
going on because you have more time. We're not distracted by gigs. Much as I love doing gigs, shows, it's a different emphasis. So, um, Go ahead, Marcus. Do you think it'll be 2022 before you realistically get back out on the road? Well, I'm hoping to get back on the road uh, uh, this year. Uh, there are things that have been booked. There are things that have been rescheduled. Uh, I, I'm basically saying, you know, when the world is open for business, we're open for business. So um, uh, nobody really knows with complete conviction. Uh, you can talk to the doomsday kind of um, <laughs> predictions. You know what I mean? The doom yes. rock predictions. <laughs> they, oh, it's never going to be the same again. We're all going to die. But I prefer to think that we'll get out there pretty soon, you know. Well, I think a lot of people need to, Steve, and it sounds like you and Joe uh, have a lot of uh, good plans in place. Uh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have thought to go home after locking down in the pandemic and putting together a, a virtual fantasy trip to Northern Africa to explore, but there you are, and that's the way, that's the difference between the everyday person and the walking through the world and a musician who finds inspiration in different ways from different places. Having listened to the album, I'm even more blown away by it, especially songs like Scirocco about the winds that blow off the yeah. northern end of Africa into yeah. warming the Mediterranean, basically. And sure. I could feel it, right, Marcus? We were talking about it. I could feel the song. Oh, yeah. I could feel the wind and the warmth. If there's a favorite track of the album, that's probably it. We had a trip to, to Egypt, and we, we, we drove from one end to the other. We went from Cairo to Aswan. We came back along the Nile which is so beautiful and unspoiled. It's, it's quite, quite lovely. And you stop at various places and see the sights and it stays with you forever. I mean, one of our tour guides, we turned up at this amazing temple and he said, how long do you need? About half an hour. I said, a lifetime would be too short. But I had my notepad out the whole time when we were in Egypt. Um, it's just amazing. The, the, desert, the desert is amazing. We've been to Jordan, we've been to Petra. Uh, we visited so many places uh, of Morocco, other parts of, of Jordan, Wadi Rum, with where the Bedouin are, and um, mm. Lawrence of Arabia had a house there, and we saw the ruins of that. It's extraordinary. So, so we stayed with the Bedouin people. That was just wonderful. And of course, the memories of that and, and, and the way that that translates into music is, is my way of, of um, doing what my dad did. He painted tons of paintings, very good landscape painter, amongst other things. So my, my version of doing that is with music, a kind of soundtrack to that or to those those journeys. And, you know, we've had our Indiana Jones experiences. <laughs> but, uh, that's, been, uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's much better to, to be there in person. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it was um, amazing. The, the Mediterranean is an extraordinary place, uh, and we tried to characterize each track so that it belonged to a certain region. So we have a Spanish-sounding track, Andalusia, which is Andalusian heart, right. uh, a place where the gypsies are. I've seen them playing in the caves, and I was learning some moves off them on the guitar. <laughs> Not Fantastic. the dancing, that'll follow another lifetime. Just uh, just amazing, uh, amazing. It's it's the home of the guitar, of the hot flamenco guitar. It's, it's gorgeous, that region. So we moved on, we, we did something that was more Greek inspired and, and Turkish. We did uh, The Memory of Myth, which 
my wife Jo wrote the uh, the melody for on um, the one that st- kicks off with with unaccompanied violin. It's a lovely, lovely melody that Roger King orchestrated for us. So I did some improvisation on that, and Roger kicked in with an orchestration of Joe's melody with the incredible harmonies that, that wow. went with it. It's very beautiful sounding. There's a Turkish track which had a couple of guys on, one from Azerbaijan and one from Armenia. Now those two countries were at war with each other as I was putting this thing together. Uh, but you know, art does something and music does something that politicians fail to do or are unwilling to do. You know, music brings people together. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, we had the Duduk from Armenia, we had the Tar from Azerbaijan, and it's all on that Turkish track, which is the, um, the Dervish and the Jinn. We'd seen whirling dervishes when we were in Egypt a couple of times and it's amazing. That's amazing to watch. It's the most amazing dancing you can possibly see. You know, I was going to ask you about your approach to going local, but you just told me everything about how you get down with the people and travel in. And it seems like you get the most out of taking trips and really getting down to the root of the place and not just doing the tourist stuff. And it's yeah. amazing that you get to do that, man. Certain things happened. I, I picked up instruments along the way. Uh, we exactly. had the, Ara- the Arabian Oud, the fretless lute. I can play it after a fashion, but it's, it's, it's very difficult to tune. And um, uh, so I, 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 I play a little bit of that. It, it's, a, it's a subtly different sound from the guitar, but it's another stringed instrument. And then there's, the, um, there's a Peruvian instrument called the charango. Uh, which I, I was given by, by friends in, in, when I was visiting Peru, I think for the first time, and uh, that was extraordinary. Um, and it sounds a little bit like a mandolin if you play it in a certain way, or a bit like a bazooki, so we used it on mm. the Greek track. Yeah, a great sounding instrument. You hear it on the beginning of, I'll tell you what track, Simon and Garfunkel, um, the El Condor Paso. Okay. Oh, yes. You know, the beginning of that, which sounds yeah. very much like the sound of rainforests, a sort of shimmering thing. Okay. You could play it in that style or single notes, which uh, which I did with a, with a plectrum. Most of the time I use the nails. There's the nails. Very short. <laughs> I will it's attest short, to the fact that they're pretty short for a guy who uses yeah. the nails. Scratch your eyes out with these. <laughs> it's, no, my, my thumbnail's a little bit bigger. Uh, oh, yeah, I see. Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, oh God. Yeah, yeah, the pinky. Is that for the flamenco strum? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, you're just an uh, amazing source of uh, understanding and knowledge about stuff and music. I'm just enjoying listening to just how you were you tell your tale of of going to egypt and all the places that that trip took you to the album conveys that that feeling that you're giving to us that's why i found it to be so captivating on first listen i'm, I'm listening through the songs all of them they just oh medina is a beautiful song but it feels like a steve hackett song it's, it feels like you even though it's in all that you play in all these different forms and and i i noticed that you seem to be able to switch between them to switch between the cla- more classical feel and the rock stuff and the instrumental and the vocal stuff you you just kind of through your career over the last several years you've just kind of move where it feels right is is that a fair assessment a couple of fans said to me they thought i was a bit like a character actor years ago someone said you're a bit like gene hackman you know um showing up in different roles. They, they said, oh, you know, you know the film's going to be good, but you don't know how good it's going to be. And uh, I thought that was a very nice thing for people to say, you know, in terms of, you know, future albums. And um, 
other people said that it was a kind of pan genre approach going across all the styles so over time things started to change i started to do occasional acoustic tracks while i was still with genesis and there was mm-hmm. a big emphasis on acoustic guitar stuff uh, whether that was 12 string or six string steel that was part of what we did we mixed electric stuff and um and acoustic stuff and um uh, anthony phillips and mike rutherford they were largely responsible for that and, and tony played 12 string as well so you know we had this kind of combined chiming thing that you couldn't really tell if it was 12 strings or or harpsichords um it was part of the sound of, of that early band but i i've always had this thing about um, acoustic guitar and I, I started orientating towards the nylon guitar and so when they were doing Lamb Lies Down on Broadway um, recording it in 1974 I went and bought a nylon guitar that I still have to this day that I've recorded on this on this album and uh, I bought it because it was the loudest guitar in the shop it sounded more like a piano than a nylon guitar so this mm. thing's got great projection huge depth and uh, it was a, a japanese guitar a yairi uh, I, I tune it in strange ways on this album i've got my sort of what i'm calling my hemingway tuning which is um you know the uh, death in the afternoon tuning and the one that where mm. whatever you play on it sounds spanish all those dissonant chords so you can play regular shapes but they'll come out in a very dissonant kind of kind of way so um mm. it opens up a lot of possibilities and the tuning is for people who are interested in this you take the two bass strings down a tone and the b string you can either leave it where it is for for a g major or if you take it down a semitone your second string then you have got this extraordinary tuning that as far as i know no one else uses but it's a little bit g minory it's very good for arabic stuff it can be great for russian sounding stuff and it can also be great for jazz chords so here we come with those flattened 13ths and all that (laughs) man you know steve can you see all everything you're saying i love it but you know everything you're saying is gone i know there's people (laughs) who are out there listening going it's gone right over my head because this is the stuff that i could never grasp that you guys just get and that's what blows my mind and and it makes me i guess respect musicians more don't you think marcus because of what you guys do we keep it coming i I guess you know i was self-taught and i and i just think i don't have a lot of musical theory it's it's all practice really i decided to make my own mistakes and make my own discoveries on the guitar which meant that i came up with tapping in 71 with genesis on on that first album i did with them with phil collins which was nursery crime so you can hear it Mm -hmm. on um on several tracks on that um that was great fun to do, but there's there's a lot more techniques, and just because it's acoustic guitar these days, there's a lot of techniques you can do with, with the nylon guitar that make that pretty much unrecognizable as an acoustic instrument. You know, um, there's a lot of stuff you can do, and I'm just scratching the surface of it even now. I think there's so much more you can do beyond the classical, beyond the flamenco. Such an interesting cat. And when we come back, we will go beyond flamenco. But first, we must pull into port, refill with a pint from Crooked Eye. There's always a lot going on at Crooked Eye Brewery right there in the heart of Hatboro, York and Montgomery. 
a great place to go and get the finest brews in the Philadelphia area. Right, Marcus? Yes, they are. And if you like a dark beer, this is the season for something like their Black Eyed Stout. Fantastic. My favorite of all their beers, even though I've tried many of them. Go right into the brew pub right there in the heart of Hatboro and see what's on the board. Take a taste of the stout or anything else and uh, take some home with you, even if you're staying for a pint. And the entertainment's coming back, too. Tony Washington and the Tuesday Night Blues Jam has been starting to happen again. A lot more things happening in real time, live in the pub, and also sent out via the uh, the Facebook page for Crooked Eye Brewery. Live entertainment returning to Crooked Eye as we get closer and closer to full normal resume at some point. And whatever's going on with that, you can find out on their social media, especially on Facebook, Crooked Eye Brewery. A great place, a neighborhood joint, so to speak. Hepburn, you're so lucky because you can just take a walk over anytime and grab a pint of Crooked Eye. I'm jealous. I got to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and if you mention the imbalanced history of rock and roll, you get a free 10-ouncer. It's like a big taster. Hello, may I please have my free 10-ouncer because I listen to the imbalanced history of rock and roll. And we thank Crooked Eye Brewery for their support. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So much more exploring with Steve Hackett. He was in Genesis a long time ago, but he's still Steve Hackett of Genesis, right? I mean, he was on all those important mm-hmm. records. Yeah. And he's talking about that a little bit in the interview. But here to start the second part of our episode, Steve tells us how a song gets its start. Uh, you just got to sort of experiment. I mean, all music is a shot in the dark. You know, if everyone thinks I'm, I'm this big expert, well... All of it starts with a doodle. Nobody knows if a song is going to come off or not. You've got to start with that doodle and you expand on it. If you're lucky, it will lead you into a glorious place. Other other times, I'd say, you know, just tear it up and start again. If that's what it needs. You've got to admit when you're wrong. And I think the devil is in the detail. So 
so much of music is 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 salvage jobs you know you're working on something and it's really not happening and then by the addition of or subtraction of detail you can turn it into something wonderful unlike life where you get one shot at it a song you can always re-record <laughs> Very true. You've been working with Roger King since, I think, about 2009, Out of the Tunnel's Mouth. How did your professional relationship begin? Well, it goes back um, earlier than that. You know, we were we sort of hooked up in, in, in the early 1990s and um, started you know, doing some um, stuff together. He plays keyboards with my band. He did film music. He was trained as a cathedral organist, church organist, cathedral stuff. So he's a big fan of Bach and, and, and many others. He worked on, on a number of Hollywood epics, such as uh, Cliffhanger and uh, In the Name of the Father. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I think in re recent years, it, it's been rock for him, but he's got this, he's old school in that he writes music and arranges and... Uh, He's a great engineer. It could be very hard to um, to get him excited. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen him get excited about anything or anybody, ever, apart from a <laughs> apart from a glass of Guinness. <laughs> well, that's life. Mother's milk. And sometimes, you know, we've just done the most amazing thing, and and the most he will say is, "I don't mind that." You never imagine he's got to jump for joy because he doesn't. You know, it's. it's uh, <laughs> I sometimes think he might he might prefer to be raising cats in Newcastle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the furry so, I did want to ask you. He made uh, he brought up Roger, but I wanted to ask you about uh, how you connected with Michael Ackerfeld of Opeth, who might not be a natural to you know for for you to find your way towards. Well, you know, we were doing the second Genesis revisited album. Uh huh. I was being encouraged in two separate directions by separate aspects of a record company and you know one of the guys was saying well, i think you should do the tracks where the guitar takes the biggest role in it another side of it was saying you should do the most iconic tracks where the guitar is a big part of it or not so what started out as a single album ended up being a double uh, people were always saying you know the difficulty for anyone singing any Genesis songs is that they're either going to be compared to Peter Gabriel or they're going to be compared to Phil Collins. Right. We thought when we did this, well, let's have safety in numbers and have lots of singers on these tracks. So for a re-recording of Supper's Ready, for instance, which is nearly half an hour long, we've got five different singers straight off. I actually hadn't met Michael at that point, but he, he worked remotely for us and of course another Swedish guy who was on the album Nad Silvan who sings with our band live I, th I think the Swedes are taking over the world of progressives you know <laughs> I've worked with, now I've got you know, Jonas Reingold on, on bass who's um, uh, incredible Swedish but now lives in Austria uh, and of course I've worked with, with Reiner Stolt from time to time and Reiner is a great guitarist of course and band leader with the Flower Kings uh, extraordinary stuff the Swedes, you know, seem to um, inhabit the world of progressive stuff. You know, they are they are great musicians, but I think they're very driven, very driven. Maybe it's cold climates. You know, people don't get out much. Now, you've played with so many incredible musicians in your yep. long career. Are there any musicians you still want to play with down the line? Well, you know, there's always plans afoot. Uh, 
I'm discovering people all the time. I mean, I've just been working with a, with a, 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 an instrument called the Dutar, played by a guy from Tajikistan. What an incredible sounding instrument that is. There's a lot of, it's very percussive. We do lots of right hand moves that sound unbelievable. I mean, some of the women who play that are, are, are incredible as well. You know, that's off the beaten track. I've been working with a Vietnamese instrument as well. I've been playing it myself, something the Vietnamese called the Dain Shine. When it's spelt, it looks nothing like that. It looks like a Dan Tranth or something. And um, I realized years ago I was sold this thing as a Cantonese koto in this shop. It seems that the guy who sold it to me um, sold me a bum steer, although it sounded great. I decided to buy a new one years, years, decades later. And this instrument sounds absolutely beautiful. We've done it, different tunings. So there's a Vietnamese influence. It's wow. like a sort of oriental harp. Cool. Gorgeous sound. Very, very beautiful. Been also working with some American drummers as well recently. Lovely to hook up again with Phil Earhart of Kansas. Working Great with guy. Him. Yes, and also uh, there are there are there are more there are more to come. You know, there's there's the English contingent with Craig Blundell and Nick De Virgilio in the states, of course, brilliant drummer. Yeah, spoiled for talent, really. There, it's uh, it's been great working with these extraordinary characters, and and still, you know, I'm working on rock stuff. It's it's not ready yet, but it's nice to be baking the cake. Okay. It seems to feel like almost like there's a dam and and everybody's got material and intent and places to play and go and things to do and fest everybody's got it all sitting there and it's all being walled up and held back what kind of a release do you expect once things get rolling in the 21 22 and everybody's out again some have predicted a return of the 1920s the roaring 20s so to speak some kind of a response to all this ironically yeah. right after the last pandemic of this nature what do you think about all that well you know it could be like the 60s all over again free love in the streets Woo! I'm, ready. <laughs> I'm ready i just missed it the first time steve i'm ready <laughs> yeah I, I, with animals i mean whatever <laughs> no <laughs> i mean okay why should the camels have all the fun right okay. <laughs> so, i mean it'll be great to, to get out there we can we can have a wonderful time been very lucky with this album that it's gone into the charts in in the uk went in at number five went to number congratulations, seven congratulations congratulations and and I heard today that it that it also went into uh, the german charts at number 14 so oh, nice. for me I, I have to describe this album as a cinderella album i didn't do it in order to have a hit i did it because i love this kind of music so um the virtual journey seems to work some people it has a, a gorgeous album cover um i have to say um and a lot of people have responded to that because it, it's an overlook balustrades the mediterranean sea and the sky and it's the place you want to be right now rather than oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you want to be there with a, with a cool a cool drink it kind of calls you on the call of the sea is one of the tracks on on the album but you know under a mediterranean sky a lot of this was suggested by my wife who said you know you can make this acoustic album much more exotic and more cinematic and take people on a journey because people need that right now uh, and you can afford to take chances because let's face it we're in downtime we're in lockdown all of that but it's a, it's a great time to experiment of course when we get out there it'll all be letting it all hang out of course we're we're all gonna get we're all stir crazy at the moment of course everyone uh, but those lucky enough to work creatively 
it's a great time to write that film script, write that book, paint that picture, do that song. Yep. You know, your studio can be just the size of a, of a computer these days or, or your iPhone. You know, it's it's um, everyone has got that at their fingertips, whereas at one time you used to have to go in and it was dependent on big spaces with big manpower mm-hmm. in order to get big yep. noises. But we don't need that, that anymore. Things can be miniaturized. Uh, you can get great guitar sounds with amp simulation, even if you're not using the big, you know, Marshall cranked up uh, terrorizing the neighbors <laughs> in the bathroom. Like, the next door. <laughs> uh, no. So, uh, no, I mean, sometimes I record screaming guitar, but it's at a level you can comfortably hold a conversation over, and uh, <laughs> the miniaturization of that is, um, I guess, it's a bit, but it's weird sitting around watching people recording. Sometimes it can be so slow, it's about as exciting as watching paint dry at the times, you know, <laughs> someone's changing something with a little increment, and it's like. Yeah. <laughs> Testing again, check it again, play it to, uh, smidge, check it again. What can you do? Yeah, that's right. And, and because you can use as many tracks as you want in the digital realm, we sometimes find that we're working in excess of 200 tracks on any one particular song. And we've nearly gotten up to 300 wow. sometimes. You know, we've got wow. an orchestra here and another lot here and a rock band here and a, oh a brass goodness. thing here. That's and, crazy. Um, sometimes it gets really out of hand. You, the things that can take up a lot of tracks when you get into serious harmony vocals can eat a lot of time so if you want to do a quick album (laughs) instrumental yeah (laughs) (laughs) unless you're roy orbison of course and then you can do it yeah what the rest of us dream about you know Mm, true well i gotta say it's a joy to speak with you steve you know one of the one of the first rock star moments i had uh, when I first got in the radio in the eighties was when I was working at WMMR and you mentioned Philadelphia and you and the Jojo flew home, uh, from Philadelphia to, to lockdown. Yeah. Uh, we love you here. And I've always marveled at your ability. You haven't had like what you would call uh, a big AOR, uh, track, but yet every radio station in town promotes your show. Every time you come to town, I always uh, want to con- compliment you on that and marvel at that. But when I was a kid, one of the first times I met anybody that I really, really admired was meeting you and Steve Howe when you guys were doing the GTR album. You came in to WMMR and you were on with John Nabella and you gave me my first CD somewhere in the wall upstairs signed by you and wow. Steve. It's, uh, but thank you for that. And, and thank you for decades of musical enjoyment of all varieties. It's just been so lovely to be a fan. Well, thank you very much. It's very nice to talk to you guys. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, I have to do a, a Greek interview because I, I want to talk to you guys all night because it sounds like fun. You're making me feel like I'm back in the USA. Well, <laughs> we want you back in the USA come on, to come play. We, we need live music. I, I want to. The we Scottish need Rite music. Theater yeah. needs you. Oh, God, I love that theater. That's uh, they wonderful. love you there. I, yes. I love it. We have to get back there because it's, it's such a homecoming. It's always mm. felt so wonderful. There's something about that place. They say it's haunted, but it must be a very friendly ghost because mm. it just feels wonderful every time. The place yeah. acts like an amplifier. There are some gigs where it just sounds so live. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always a great pleasure to play that. Well, before you go, I just want to say that this album, this new album, uh, a couple of years ago, my last big trip before we got into lockdown was a trip yeah. to Greece. And we, yeah. uh, we, got, we had a wonderful trip and stay there. And so the music is bringing a lot of that back for me these last few days. So thank you for that. 
Thank you. And uh, thank you for for coming on with us, Marcus. One last little statement. I was listening to your album this morning while I was prepping some questions, and the Dervish and the Gin came on. I was listening yep. to it. My son looked at me. He's five years old almost, and said, "Daddy, what is this song about?" And so I looked at him and I said, "What does this song sound like to you?" And he looked at me and said, "Monsters." <laughs> well, well, der- dervish dances are from the Sufi tradition originally, and they spin and spin. And I've seen them doing, and, and you couldn't try this at home, folks, because you would just fall over. So they train for this, and as they dance and whirl around, they transform. And um, there's something that happens with the clothes that they wear, and things come out and, mm-hmm. and spin. In fact, on the website, there's a um, there's a loop of a little tiny bit of, of that. But um, that same guy, he, he, at one point, they turn off the lights, and he's lit up like a whirling Christmas wow. tree. And it, um, it's extraordinary stuff. As I say, they they transform, and it's supposed to be a, a spiritual thing, and it goes really well with music. So the music gets faster and faster on that one. So I can I can see why how it would to a five year old it might seem very strange because it's it starts in a spooky way with the duduk, and then the rhythm starts yeah. up and it gets bigger and bigger and faster yeah. and faster. So uh, yeah, it's really a sort of Turkish a Turkish feeling on that one. Yeah. Um, and, and I play electric guitar on it, but it's electric, which is not plugged in, so it's still acoustic. I'm just using the sound, the percussion of, of the strings, doing it in a kind of, uh, with some of those flamenco moves to make it sound, uh, you know, driven. Then as an acoustic steel comes out, there's a bit of oud on it, there's some strings, um, uh, and then soprano sax from um, Rob Townsend right at the end, which... Mm, takes it yeah. into overdrive after the tar and all that yeah. that stuff going. So, um, yeah, that one's um, kind of soundtracky. It's exciting. Way. It's an exciting song. And then when I told him what a gin was, he was like, oh. <laughs> it's a genie. Yeah, yes, the genie. The, the so the gin the is what they're called, too. Yeah. D-J-I-N-N. Yeah. As opposed to the gin that you drink. So the dervish is the dancer. The gin is the genie. So it's... Uh, again, I think it was my, my wife came up with that title. It's a beautiful uh, she, song. In fact, in fact, she said you could do something like this. You know, so the world, the world music aspect was largely uh, encouraged by her, shall we say? And um, I think it's broadened the album. So you've got an acoustic album that strays into these more exotic areas, sometimes with known or lesser known instruments. Mm-hmm. We did a, an episode about Danny Garcia's movie about Brian Jones. How much of an influence was he on a young Steve Hackett to explore the international sounds that are now part of your everyday? Just as, as a quick one here, I, uh, uh, Brian Jones, I think it was the first time I ever heard a guitar sounding right. And it was his, his slide guitar on I Want to Be Your Man, you know. I want to be your man. Um, that sound was the first time I really heard a guitar rip for me. Now, I know the blues men in the States were doing this beforehand, and that was his influence. Muddy Waters, Hubert Sumlin, mm. these uh, extraordinary guys. And um, slide guitar was a really very beautiful thing. But then uh, Brian, although I never met him, I passed him in the street 
once or twice because he used to live locally when I was still just a kid. He was a multi-instrumentalist, of course, played a whole ton of things, and I absolutely love Paint It Black. I just heard the other day that um, Bill Wyman played bass pedals on it. I had no idea he played bass pedals on that, would you? you know, We're always learning, man. We are We're always, always learning. learning. But that sounds like it's got a hell of a percussion section on it mm -hmm. yeah. and all of that. And I know that he wanted to work, Brian wanted to work with Moroccan musicians. He had yes. that lined up. That was going to be his next thing. So I think he was going to um, head into world music. Who knows what would have come from that? But I think he was an inspiration. And I think that the Stones were very interesting when he was, when he was part of them. Hackett, our guest here on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. You're getting, I see someone waving to you like you've got to go talk to yeah. the Greeks. Okay. Uh, so we won't hold you, man. Thank you for your time and thanks for coming yeah, on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. It's been great fun. Thank it's you, guys. Been a lot of fun. All thank the you. Best. Take care, when Steve. You're coming out of the States. Yep. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Happy trails, everybody. You too, Steve. Thanks again. Wow, dude. I, I've always admired his work, but to have Steve Hackett on the podcast, whew. <laughs> I'm tingly, man. <laughs> I know it was so much fun talking to him about not only his experiences traveling, but his musical history and his love for learning new string instruments, which yes. we found is a huge passion of his. Listen, as a guy who has an acoustic and I'm a plunker, to hear him talking about all these different exotic instruments and learning about these things and how they make sounds, uh, pretty cool. And for him to share and let us inside the process of making his latest album, Under a Mediterranean Sky, also pretty cool. Not only was it fun listening to his album, it was a blast talking to him and learning yeah. from him. Just hearing about his travels mixed in with learning about new musical styles was just fascinating. Gotta thank Hadley Wolfram from Chipster PR for setting up the chat with Steve. Done remotely as everything has been done lately. And uh, we thank Hadley for setting that up. Another fine interview here on The Imbalanced History. Well, it's time to go, brother. Um, as always, it's a pleasure to spend time with you. And when we have a guest, it seems to take us both to another level. I kind of elevated there in the middle of this episode. So until the next time we gather, I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. And we present... The imbalance history of rock and roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.